0: This is Husker Sports Network Originals, presented by JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Husker Sports Network Originals tell iconic stories from Husker history, featuring insights from the players and coaches who lived them. Subscribe to the Husker Sports Network on your favorite podcast service. And now, Osborne and the Option.
1: again, everybody, and welcome to University of Nebraska football. From Miami, it's Orange Bowl 95, the national championship. Nebraska gunning for its first national championship since New Year's night 1972. The game about to unfold, New Year's night 1995. First and 10, Nebraska at the 19-yard line of Miami, double tight ends, Full House backfield, Custer Johnson in motion to the left side out of that, Brooke drops back, rolls to the right, run pass option, he's got Matt Shaw, Matt Shaw's in there, Matt Shaw's in there for the touchdown, Mark Gilman's got the ball, Mark Gilman for the touchdown. First and 10 of the 15 of Miami, Tommy under center, has the snap from Graham, and he gives it off, it's inside the 10, inside the 5, and it's Corey Schlesinger, touchdown, touchdown. Touchdown! Touchdown, Cornhuskers! Snap to Tommy. He wants to throw the ball in the end zone. He does! It's cut! It's cut! Two-point conversion! Eric Alford in the end zone! It's a tie ball game! It's a tie game! 17 to 17. Schlesinger and Phillips in the eye, the snap to Tommy, and they give him the trap play, and it's Schlesinger inside the five. It's there for the touchdown. He's got the touchdown. It's the touchdown for Corey Schlesinger. And Nebraska takes the lead with 2.46 left to go in the ball game. From the 47-yard line, Tommy under center. He'll go down on his knee, and we got 21 seconds to go. 20, 19, 18. Nebraska will win the national championship. The Corneskers beat Miami 24 to 17. It is history, 13 and 0. And bring that trophy back to Lincoln. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to University of Nebraska football from Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. This is college football's national championship as the top-ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers engage the second-ranked University of Florida Gators. Tommy looking at four down linemen on the part of Florida taking the snap. Rolls right side, Tommy. Looks like left side, screen pass, Lawrence Phillips. He's got it inside the 15, the 10. He's inside the five. He's in. The Lawrence cuts back right inside the 40, great move, eludes a tackler inside the 35, inside the 30, the 25, the 5, 20, 15, the 10, the 5, he's in there, touchdown Lawrence cuts touchdown, here's the snap, quarterback Pratt Tommy up the middle, 30, 25, he's gonna go, Tommy Frazier, touchdown, 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 second and five coming up for the cornhouse double tights wing right that's reggie ball schuster and clinton child's in there and an option to the right tommy on the keep turns the corner 25 30 ellen's tackler 35 tommy Fraser. 37 38 39 40 45 50 45 40 35 30 he's gonna go holy cow touchdown tommy Fraser. and there it is ladies and gentlemen one second time has expired and Nebraska has won its second consecutive national championship in Tempe Arizona, beating the Florida Gators 62 to 24. And Nebraska has done something no football program has ever done. It has recorded its 36th victory in
2: three years time The Huskers will kick off left to right as we begin play in this opening quarter of the Big 12 championship game. And we're just about ready to get this thing settled. Here's Frost handing it off to Lamont Green and around to Bobby Newcomb. Breaks one tackle, Newcomb to the third. Far oh. side, 25, 20, 15, 10. Stiff armed his way, out of bounds. at about the six yard line of A&M, it was cornerback Sean Horn who saved the touchdown. I tell you, you guys, Scott Frost runs the ball and and passes
3: the ball very well, but you watch this here, he just obliterates a guy in a peel
2: back block. I mean, he knocked him from here to Sunday. Holy cow. Two tight ends of the game, Sheldon Jackson and Tim Carpenter. They go to the three back set in the I formation. McAvica goes to the right, option right by Scott Frost, turns it to the five, then Scott's in for the touchdown. Time is going to run out, and that's going to take care of it. The Huskers have won their first ever Big 12 championship as they route Texas A&M. The final score, 54-15 Huskers over the Aggies. So we're just about ready to get this FedEx Orange Bowl game underway. The Huskers and the Volunteers, and we certainly hope you enjoy it. Chris Brown ready to approach the football, and the Orange Bowl is underway. Under center is Scott Frost, runs the option right side, pitches the ball off to Ahmad Green. He's to the 20, he's to the 15, 5. look out, he's gone, touchdown. And that's pretty much gonna do it. Nebraska content not to run another play. The Huskers finish a perfect 13-0 as they beat Tennessee 42-17. A huge smile on the face of Tom Osborne down there on the field. 42-17, Nebraska pounds Tennessee on the ground to win this game. It feels great. I'm so
4: proud of this team and I'm just so proud to have had a chance to play for Coach Osborne. And I just want to say this about the national championship, you know, if if all the pollsters honestly think after watching the Rose Bowl and watching the Orange Bowl that Michigan could beat Nebraska, go ahead and vote Michigan, by all means. But let me finish, let me finish. I don't think, I don't think there's anybody out there that with a clear conscience can say that Nebraska and especially Tom Osborne, that great man, doesn't deserve a national championship for this. At least a share.
5: Few men have revolutionized the game of college football like Tom Osborne. For nearly a quarter of a century, Osborne was the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. From 1973 until the day he retired in 97, Osborne led Nebraska to three national championships and 13 conference titles. The Big Red also made a bowl game in every single one of his seasons as head coach and won over 83% of their games. If there was a Mount Rushmore of college football, Dr. Tom would surely be featured on it. There were many factors that made Osborne's Husker teams into a nationwide powerhouse, but chief among those were the option offenses that Nebraska ran that were dreamed up by coach Osborne himself. His football education first began back in his hometown of Hastings, Nebraska, where we begin our look into the unparalleled offensive genius of Tom Osborne.
6: I remember being a a big uh, football fan. I grew up across the street from Hastings College, and so I I was over at uh, their practices uh, when I was a young guy in grade school, and uh, we'd get old helmets and shoulder pads that were handed out when they were worn out, and we'd uh, have pickup games and that type of thing, but I'd, I'd go to the particularly the Hastings College games and, and the Hastings High School games. And I guess it was always kind of up most of my mind uh, what strategy, what seemed to work, what didn't work. And so I guess I, but I didn't really plan to be a coach. But then uh, as, a, as a quarterback in high school and also as a quarterback in college, I guess you're always pretty much involved in the whole scheme. You're occasionally going to have to change the play, audible, those kind of things. You have to know how to read coverages. And then later on in the NFL, I ended up being moved to receiver. And so I saw things a little differently from the standpoint of a receiver and uh, was interested in coaches and what, what their thoughts were, how they handled people, those kind of things. And then came back to Nebraska didn't really plan at any point to be a coach.
7: Due to undercoming signals, dropping back to throw at the 50, rolls out, he's chased, has to get it away. He's got dinner.
6: Well, he uh, put me on as a grad assistant, and so I worked mostly with the freshman team first year or so. And then uh, at that time, Bob had come originally from Michigan State. Duffy Doherty was the head coach there. Duffy had run an unbalanced line, full house backfield, and that's what Bob took with him to Wyoming and uh, brought to Nebraska. And the first few years, Bob had a lot of success, I think, in uh, 63, his second year, he won a conference championship. 64, 65, 66, conference championships. And that was unheard of because uh, Nebraska had gone through 20 really tough years and had hardly had any winning seasons, let alone the conference championships. And Oklahoma had dominated.
3: Time we'll give you all the records he just set, but I can tell you briefly, Owen just set a school record for the most points in one game, the most touchdowns in one game, the most touchdowns in one season, and he just broke a big eight conference record for the most points in one game. He now has scored five touchdowns in this game good for thirty points. Oklahoma just
1: marched 88 yards it was at ten plays. The extra point, Warmack holding the
3: ball in the air by Dur. It's good. out on the field and the we'll score, Oklahoma 35, Nebraska
6: nothing. And then in, in 67, 68, we had two six and four seasons. Probably would have been really good back in the, uh, before Bob came here. But uh, after three, four straight conference championships and no bowl game, and those two six and four seasons didn't sit well. And, uh, I remember there was even a petition going around in Omaha. I don't think people took it real seriously, but they were talking about firing Bob, and uh, people were really serious about possibly uh, getting rid of some assistants. By then, I was a full-time assistant and uh, had a wife and three kids, and so Bob uh, came out and said, you know, if one guy goes, we all go. That was pretty enlightening to me because uh, he was really big on loyalty. And so I, I guess I always remember that. So uh, after those two seasons, Bob came to me and he said, "You know, I'd like to redesign the offense, and uh, we're gonna kind of dump the unbalanced line, full house, and uh, gonna go with something different." So I said, "Okay." So I sat down, studied a lot of film, put in the I formation, used some elements of the spread, and uh, and still ran a little bit of option. And so uh, that took off. in '69, we went nine and two beat Georgia in the bowl game. 70, won a national championship, had an undefeated season. 71, we were really good, and uh, kind of led the polls from start to finish, beat Alabama 38-6 in the Orange Bowl national championship again. And then uh, Bob um, had told me somewhere in there that he wanted me to take over, that he was going to step down, and uh, I became the head coach. The one thing that bothered us a lot was Oklahoma, and Oklahoma— ran the wishbone. And uh, the difficult thing about the wishbone was that you only saw it once a year at that time. And so it was entirely different in terms of defensive structure because you had to have somebody stop the fullback, somebody handle the quarterback, somebody handle the pitch. And so uh, if you only had four days to get ready for it, it just wasn't enough. So I really liked some of the things they were doing, particularly some of the uh, options, some of the running game And I think that impacted me. And we began to incorporate some of that as time went on. We still didn't run the wishbone. We ran a lot of the things that they did in the wishbone out of the I formation. And we ran multiple offensive sets. I think we were at about 14 different sets. In a ball game, I would usually run each set on consecutive plays. So we changed sets for the first three or four series. We showed the defense an awful lot of different things. And almost everybody was not able completely to uh, zone in on everything that we did because we did so many things and you would see in those first few series some things were that their uh, defensive alignment wasn't very sound and so then we began to take advantage of that and, and hopefully uh, get them to unravel because when they started to scramble and try to adjust on the sideline then it left something else vulnerable and so that's kind of what we did but we always had a strong running game because in this part of the world, you're going to have some bad weather games. And uh, I felt that if you could control the football, it took a lot of pressure off your defense because if you scored quickly or turned the ball over after three plays and out, defense back on the field and your defense get worn down. So I think our offense complemented our defense uh, in the way that we did things.
5: Bob Devaney, then head coach of the Oscars, gave plenty of autonomy to the young assistant who made sure not to let that opportunity go to waste.
6: Well, it was it was a little odd, and I, th- I think there were a uh, couple that maybe resented the fact that I was given a certain amount of uh, authority, and uh, Bob never really declared coordinators. But essentially, uh, probably from 69 on, I was calling plays from the press box most of the time, and Monty Kiffin was running the defense. So both of us were young guys. And it's uh, one thing about Bob, he would uh, sort things out and, and delegate and give people responsibility irrespective of age or status on the, on the staff. And so um, things turned around in 69 and 70, 71, and 72 was Bob's last year. We still had a great team. We also had Johnny Rogers and that helped. And so uh, we had some good offensive teams in there. As time went on, I began to realize that we probably had some deficiency and that we had some really good quarterbacks. You know, Vince Garrett, Veragamo, um, Jerry Tagge, David Hum. Those are guys who were excellent throwers, and they all played in the NFL. The team that we had the most trouble with was Oklahoma. They usually had a lot of speed and athleticism at quarterback, guys that could really run the ball. Probably were not nearly as good of passers as uh, what we had at Nebraska. And so there were several times that we had Oklahoma on the ropes, looked like they were going to lose, and then their quarterback would scramble, make a play, usually with his feet, and uh, or buying some time, getting a pass off. And I began to realize that maybe um, having some speed and elusiveness at quarterback would be helpful. And so we began to incorporate more of the option game. We didn't necessarily have great pure passers at quarterback from that point on, I think probably the turning point was probably when we uh, got Jeff Quinn from Ord, Nebraska. Jeff was a, was a decent passer and uh, we didn't want a quarterback who couldn't pass, but he also was a pretty good runner, fairly physical guy, big guy with speed. And that kind of started things. Then, of course, with Turner Gill, uh, things ramped up. Turner was an excellent runner, but also a very good passer. He was a very good pure passer. And then uh, on and on with uh, Tommy Frazier and so many other guys. That Steve Taylor was was a good passer and also a good runner. So we didn't just didn't want a quarterback that didn't have pretty good speed and pretty good running ability. And so and obviously, if they were good passers, that was a bonus. And we, we really were looking for, for both qualities. The
5: 1972 season would be Devaney's last in charge of the Cornhuskers, as the 57-year-old handed things over to Osborne the following season. So 1973 marked the first year that Osborne, who had already enjoyed quite a bit of authority over the offense under his predecessor, now had complete control. In the early days of the Osborne offense, the running backs were the focal point.
6: The thing about it is if you had a great running back, and that running back was uh, one of the halfbacks, for instance, he wasn't going to get the ball a whole lot because it was going to be divided up between the quarterback, the fullback, and the two halfbacks. But if you had a guy like Mike Rozier, for instance.
3: The ball at the 35 of Nebraska. Huskers in the eye. Quarterback Gill sliding down the line to the right. Goes off to Rozier. Rozier running to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 30. He's to the 25, the 20. He's to the 5 and out of bounds. Right down at about the 3-yard line. (laughs) Oh, mama.
6: Jeff Kenny.
3: In the eye, Kenny's at the top of the eye. I think he's been there all day. The ball to Kinney running outside. He's to the 35, to 30, to the 25, to the 24. And Jeff Kinney running just that fire out over the right side,
2: behind
6: great blocking. Come on, Green.
2: They go to the ace offense. Here's a handoff to Amon Green, sweeping the right side across the 45, 50. He bounces three. He's on the far sideline,
3: 30, 20, 10, five. Touchdown, Amon Green.
6: We you want to really get the ball to that guy maybe 20, 25, maybe even 30 times a game, it wasn't going to happen in the wishbone just because of the structure of the offense. And so we felt that we could take advantage. We may not be able to recruit four or five great running backs, but felt in the high formation we could take advantage of a great running back and get him the ball quite a bit. But we could also still run our quarterback and we could still run our fullback and, uh, and occasionally we'd have a wingback reverse like with Johnny Rogers and people like that. And so it was a little bit different structure, but it was better suited to the passing game. We could uh, throw better and still do a lot of things with the run game. And so that's why we, we uh, stuck with the eye and then uh, had some variations off of it.
5: Having talented players obviously helped the Huskers, but Osborne placed a great emphasis on developing every player on the roster, whether they were a scholarship athlete or not.
6: And so we began to actively recruit walk-ons. And the one advantage we had was that we had a lot of players in the state who were willing to walk on here and even pass up scholarships at other schools to come and walk on. But we uh, did it a little differently than just sending them a letter. Say, well, we'd like to, if you want to come, you can. If you don't want to come, okay. We'd go out and and visit with them in their homes. We'd visit their high schools. And so we we had some really pretty high-quality walk-ons. And then the other thing that happened was that about uh, 1968, 69, uh, Boyd Epley came on the scene, began to have a good strength program, Again, began to do a lot more in the off season, and we began to develop talent. And so sometimes, uh, let's say a lineman was uh, 6'4 and 210 pounds coming out of high school. Sometimes uh, by the time he was a junior in college, that same guy would be 270 and be a lot stronger and faster. And so we took some guys that were not necessarily finished products and we developed them. And so the the walk-on thing and the strength program worked to enable us to keep pace to some degree and to make up for those lost scholarships and that advantage that we had at one time.
5: Having talent is one thing, but being able to properly use it is another. Osborne's option offense made the most out of his players' skill sets.
6: We still had a little bit of option then. It was more of a sprint option, down-the-line option, maybe just one, one type of option. But eventually we evolved to where we were running about five different kinds of options. Had a trap option off of the fullback trap. We had a dive option, we had a sprint option.
1: The first play will be a speed option by Tommy Frazier out of that new look. And the cornerbacks are pressing the wideouts. Tommy under center takes the snap, speed option left side, tosses out. And it is green. 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. He's goes to the 20 to 15. He's going to go for the touchdown. Touchdown. Touchdown.
6: A lot of variety in the option game, and then off of every one of those options, we had a pass play.
1: And Steve Taylor takes the snap, runs an option play to the left, now fades back to throw, delivers it long, down the middle, Rod Smith, inside the 10-5, touchdown! Who says Nebraska can't throw the football?
6: And we had a, a whole bunch of different formations we'd run them out of.
1: Brook, maybe changing the play here. Long count. He gives it on a trap play. Passenger across the 50, the 45, the 40, scrambling inside the 35, and all the way down to the three-yard line. Boy, Nebraska's got Colorado turning around in circles now because they've got the whole package going. They'll smash you between the tackles with power plays, ISOs, traps. They'll option you, and then they'll throw that baby in. Yeah, Tom
3: was able to open up the playbook for Brooke Beringer today.
6: So his result it became more complex, and we really let the quarterback begin to control things at the line of scrimmage. And so the quarterback probably audibled 70, 75, 80 percent of the time. And so the quarterback had to think exactly like I thought, and uh, we began to develop quarterbacks who could do that. And uh, I think the the system became a little bit more complex and more sophisticated, a lot of line calls. And uh, we always tried to make sure that we were, even in the running game, we audibled a great deal to make sure we had the best blocking angles. and, uh, And the quarterbacks had to be really conversant with what we were trying to get done.
5: Osborne's Nebraska squad saw a lot of success in the early days of his tenure in the 70s. But in those days, Barry Switcher's Oklahoma Sooners got the better of the Big Red more often than not.
3: Well, it's fourth down. Clock running out now. And it has OU number one up on the scoreboard. You'll see lots of fans going out of here today at Owen Field. We're number one. They are a great football team, and it's been a great football game, but Oklahoma just had too many guns for Nebraska today.
5: Something had to change, so in 1980, Osborne courted a young quarterback from Fort Worth, Texas, an all-county, all-district superstar in the making named Turner Gill. Gill almost signed with the Sooners in the hotly contested recruiting battle, but ultimately settled on Osborne and the Cornhuskers.
7: Well, I think he, uh, he talked about just being able to have a dual threat, if you use the term we're using today, as far as trying to have someone that could run the football and been able to pass the football and been multiple. And obviously, a lot of success was happening at Oklahoma. Running the football, they were the true wishbone and, and doing all the things. He didn't want to go extremely into the wishbone, per se, but in his own mind to sit there and say, we're going to do some things out of the I formation and still do some similarities of a double, triple option, per se, from that perspective. So I had ran the, the Houston Veer is what I was doing with Bill Yeoman at that particular time. And so I ran a version of an option. So that's what I did in high school. I only played one year of high school at quarterback. When I should say one year, I started only one year. I played back a quarterback as a sophomore and junior but played cornerback and receiver and all that type of stuff. So that's what he kind of told me. And, uh, again, there's Oklahoma was really my first love. I had to sit here and say when I was coming out, uh, that's what I was thinking because it was closer to home.
6: Switzer always laments the fact that he kind of took Turner for granted for some reason and was somewhere else when we were down there on signing date but I think part of it was Turner's parents trusted us and felt we would do a good job with Turner.
7: And so he brought his wife, Nancy, to our house. I know that really tipped it over for my mom and my dad, and, and obviously myself too, to say, you know, I'm coming with his wife just to come to our home and say hello, that meant a lot and very sincere. Obviously he's a very sincere man and all that, but that special heart to what we wanted to get do. And then playing both sports, I trusted him that he's gonna give an opportunity for me to be able to play some uh, quarterback And that was huge for us because I was a little bit being an athlete playing both sports, but also playing different positions. Uh, And my dad always said they give me an opportunity to reach to get my son to play quarterback and hopefully you don't move him. There were some of all those kind of discussion going on at that time.
6: I watched his high school films and he was a great option quarterback. Uh, He was doing a lot of the things that we were doing here. And I remember just thinking, you know, this guy's not as talented as option an option quarterbacks I'd ever seen. And you know he had excellent running ability, but he's also his judgment, his timing on when he's gonna keep the ball, when he's gonna pitch it was good. And he was certainly an adequate thrower. He wasn't a great pure passer, but he was a good passer.
7: Well, I'm gonna say it was a lot. Uh, I had not more detailed and uh, he's very particular, very detailed precision on everything that he does, everything he says, he's very particular in it. So I had the things I had to learn. I mean, he was very detailed in saying you've got to look at the inside shades of defensive tackles. Uh, you know, if a guy's head up, a guy's outside shoulder, inside shoulder, that's going to depend on what play we're going to run, and you're going to have to audible to those plays depending on what they're lined up. And then also the outside guys. So you got the defensive end. Sometimes they're lined up inside shade of the tight end. they line lined up head up on the tight end. they line lined up outside the tight end. Depending on what they do, we're going to run this play or that play. Then he took it even a little bit further. Even look at the linebackers. You know, if they're more inside shade or a more outside shade, you know, you, you got to read that. Then you take it to the secondary. So as a young man, I, I can honestly say that was not part of a high school reading all those kind of details. And then you giving that an opportunity for the player to do it today. see, you got coaches, <laughs> they're signaling in audibly in the plays. Back then, Coach Osborne was teaching the quarterbacks and he was having them do it and so i thought that was just uh fantastic of him being able to teach me the game in a deep 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 way so it was very difficult i can say at the time but then you uh, again he still let you play and do what you need to do and and uh, make plays
6: but of course turner had some good players around him you know he had dean sein up there in uh, offensive line dave remington and then he had uh, mike roger running back and roger craig uh was a pretty good player and then Irving Fryer and uh, Todd Brown and some uh, really good skilled players. And so we uh, probably for that day and age moved the ball better than most anybody for those three or four years at that period of time.
3: They're in the eye formation. Rozier at the top of the eye and the toss to Rozier and give it to Fryer on the reverse. Running around the right side. east to the 40, the 35, the 30. He's all Rogier at the top of the eye and Gill calling the count. He turns, clips it off to Rogier. Rogier turns. He's running back around field. He's trying to get away. He's looking for blackers He turns upfield. He's going to run a touchdown. Touchdown! Holy cow! Man, woman, and child! Gill is the quarterback. Rathman the fullback. Rozier is the eye back, and there's a quick pass out there to the left to Irving Pryor. Pryor runs to the 25, he runs to 30, he's back across the field, he's setting up lock, he's to the 30, 45, 40, 45, 50, down he goes at the 50 yard line, and holy Toledo, did he give him a show. And Turner Gill on a quick throw, over there to the left side to Pryor, he's to the 40, he's gone home, mama, he's gone all the way. Quarterback Turner Gill. Dropping straight back to throw, he's got pretty good protection. He hits Pryor to 47. He's in the 40, the 30. He's running home for another touchdown. Irving Pryor all the way, touchdown. And there are no flags on this one. He went 70 yards, and Turner Gill laid it on the money. Second and 10. And a naked reverse around the right side by Gill. He's running to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, to the 35, to the 30. He's to the 20, he's to the 15, and down he goes at the 15-yard line. And boy, is he a honey. Big down.
7: Third and long, five.
2: into to the end zone and very close to it. was Dean Steincoe. He's in for a
1: touchdown one of those guards around every good team has one but you never figure to throw it watch turner gill come out dean stein cooler number 71 he hands it to old dean he didn't hold it he left it right on the ground the only way you can give it to alignment is you got to fumble it he cannot take it and hand it to him so what he did is he got it from the center and left it on the ground Let's see if you talk about
6: flexibility
0: Husker Sports Network Originals are presented by JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Find out more about this great Husker partner
5: at jtechconst.com. Now, back to Osborne and the option. Osborne began to experiment with some trick plays to open up the offense, including one of the most famous trick plays in all of college football, the
7: Fumble Ruski. The Fumble Ruski, so again... uh Great brilliance by Coach Osborne being able to come up with a design play, particularly the timing of it. Again, a lot of times you have a great play, but the timing to do it, and that's, that's the brilliance of being able to have a great play caller. Again, uh, really, it just touched, It had to touch my hand, and I sort of kind of laid it down in a soft way. The biggest thing was really the center, being able to handle, I think, the training which there, being able to make sure that he didn't get knocked back or he didn't bring his feet together so he wouldn't kick the ball. Because, again, you still had one or two seconds or you got to call the play, the ball is on the ground, the right guard here comes up and picks it up and goes around. There are still some things has to be done there. So then I just became my actor <laughs> after all that. So that was my acting career is being able to run the ball, go to a certain way and think that I had the football there. So again, it did help us in our momentum to get us back motivated to get some things done in that football game.
6: If you're a coach and you're doodling, you, you're doing it for a reason. And, um, you know, coaches are great uh, copycats too. We, uh, in the month of March, when recruiting was over, we'd look at a lot of teams, some of the best football teams in the country that preceding year, and what they were doing. And sometimes we'd even look at NFL films, and sometimes we look at high school films. Some of our some plays that we got were off of high school films, and so we uh, plagiarized and copied and. Uh, they don't sue you when you do that in athletics. You know, you can do that. (laughs) And sometimes we we came up with stuff that we uh, thought of ourselves. And uh, everybody was involved, you know, Milt Teneper and Frank Solich and and, uh, Ron Brown later on, Turner Gill. And uh, everybody had input. And um, sometimes a a head coach will stifle creativity on the part of their staff. And uh, shut people down and say, well, that's a bad idea, and pretty soon nobody will speak up. And uh, so we try to listen to everybody.
5: The bouncer risky was another one of the trick plays in Osborne's Arsenal.
3: Oscar's in the eye, and Gill wants to throw it. He throws it on the ground out there to fire and Friar throws complete upfield down to the 15 before- Well, we've heard of that play. They throw a lateral pass, and it bounces on the ground. Picked up over there by Fire, and Fryer hits, clanks the tight end downfield of the 14-yard line.
7: That was part of the, um, I guess, our everyday drills that I always do it on the side and, and trying to get that done. So it, it came fairly easy. I think a little bit had to do with uh, the football part of it, but also the baseball part of it a little bit in me, to being able to do things. Because playing sometimes a shortstop, I know the ball's a little different but you had to kind of hit it there where it's going to come up in the right way. And, and so it worked out. Again, I'm going to say, you know, 95, 80, 98% of the time in practice, it was pretty much done pretty well there. So I'm excited about that play. I'm glad it worked. And uh, obviously it's one of those plays, again, I think that's a, the brilliant mind of Coach Osborne. I'm saying, yeah, you say he ran, he ran the ball, he ran the ball, he ran the ball. He ran the ball. But, again, he had some uniqueness about him and scheme-wise. Again, that's a scheme play. Uh, again, you can call it trickeration, trick play, whatever, yeah, <laughs> and all that. But it's brilliant to be able to attack the defense.
5: Not long after Gill graduated, another perfect fit for Osborne's option attack arrived on campus out of Fresno, California. Steve Taylor. Second down and the lawn, Brinson in motion, left to right, out of the slot, and it's an option play, or bootleg play, Taylor running the ball, 40, 45,
3: 50, has a block, 45, 40, 35, 30, Taylor's gonna go all the way, another one, another one, touchdown, Steve Taylor! First and
2: ten, Taylor again, wide open, Melican.
8: his second of the game, five for Steve Taylor, a new Nebraska record. It was just fun. It was fun. It was innovative watching them run the option the way they did it because it wasn't the it wasn't your, your typical wishbone triple option, but you had many different versions of that out of the eye. And uh, you know, I was just captivated by what they were doing. I was watching, you know, I watched the 83, 84 Orange Bowl with Turner Gill, Michael Zero number Fryer, and that that great offensive line. So as a quarterback for my skills, I thought it'd be great. I wish we would have thrown the ball more, but we didn't. But but you, you were able to run the football and feature your running abilities, and if you can throw it, you can throw it too. So it was just fun. It was innovative, and uh, it was just dynamic to watch. Steve Taylor looks at a five-man cowboy front, takes the snap, hands it
1: off to Clark, cuts back left side, 30, 32, 33, 35, broke it out across the 40, 45, you may go, 50, 45, 40. First place in scrimmage. 25, 20, 15, 10, touchdown! the first play from scrimmage. Third down, Nebraska with Clark in motion, out of the power set. Bootleg right, run pass option, Taylor throws, touchdown to Millican, touchdown. They cross you up so many different ways the Cornhuskers do under the direction of Dr. Tom Osborne, what a genius he is. In terms of offense in the college game, he has that defense spinning like a top, and he did that trip because he sent Oklahoma State off to its right side with most of the motion. Kenny Clark went out that way, and then it was a bootleg to the right side. And all of a sudden, as the defensive back,
3: you just don't know which way to go.
8: You know, ironically enough, the offense was hugely sophisticated in its own self because the passing game wasn't your traditional passing game. Then your option game wasn't your your regular option game, and then the numerical system was totally backwards. You know, you, from Pop Warner up to you know high school, you know you go two, four, six, eight, and then one, three, five, seven, nine are your gaps and your holes. Where Nebraska system one was one starting at the right and working your way to the left nine. So. I remember my freshman year, I went the wrong way half the times just because of the system and the way it was. So that took a while to get accustomed to. But, you know, it, it was intimidating. I mean, there's a lot of offense. The playbook was pretty big. And obviously the quarterback, you know, you have to learn so much with the running game and also the passing game and everything. So, But uh, you knew you had your work cut out for you, and uh, it was going to take more than just being a great athlete to really be successful.
6: I don't think that people realize that there, there were changes being made every year couple different plays here and there, different line calls, different pass patterns. So it wasn't like we were just totally static. But we did believe in what we were doing. We felt that I always tried to look at our offense from the eyes of a defensive coordinator, what would give me the most trouble stopping a team. And I knew that if we had a a pure drop back thrower, we always felt pretty comfortable on defense because we could come after that guy and there wasn't much he could do about it if we, if we uh, got a good pass rush. And so we didn't want the one-dimensional quarterback. But we felt that in this climate here, we're going to have some bad weather. And we better be able to run the football uh, because we're going to have two or three games a year where if you just want to drop back and chunk it, you aren't going to be very successful. And probably the biggest uh, obstacle to throwing the ball is wind. And uh, in the southeast area of the country, you don't have a lot of wind. Here you're going to have wind, and you're sometimes going to have really cold weather and snow. And so, uh, if you want to win a national championship, first thing you got to do is win your conference and get there to where you have a chance. And then, of course, if you play somebody that's really good and really talented, you may have some trouble because you're mostly going to be playing in their climate and sometimes on their home field. But uh, we uh, we began to adapt. And one of the big problems we had was that so many of those teams that we we had were playing in the Big 8 Conference, mostly against 50-odd or front defenses. And then we get down and play uh, Miami and uh, Florida State, and they were 4-3. The
2: pass is incomplete, and the game is over. Bostic, the intended receiver. The final is 41-17, Florida State. Downing, Nebraska, and this, the 19th sun
6: Fiesta Bowl. So it was a different concept, and uh, it wasn't that we never blocked 4-3 defenses during the season. We did, but uh, we began to have to adjust a little bit to getting ready for the 4-3, and as time went on, we began to attack it better. And we also had players that were able to attack it better. But I think offensively, uh, I think we only had one year out of the 25 years I coached. So we didn't average over 400 yards a game. And we had a lot of years we averaged over 500 yards a game. So it wasn't like we were three yards in a cloud of dust and couldn't move the ball. We, uh, we, We moved the ball pretty well.
5: In the 1980s, Osborne's Husker teams were dominant in many respects. However, the Huskers never quite made it to the mountaintop, never ultimately winning a national championship. In 1992, though, Nebraska's fortunes began to look up as Osborne landed another stellar athlete named Tommy Frazier, a dynamic dual-threat quarterback. The very same year Frazier arrived in Lincoln, a former Husker great was brought back to mentor him, Turner Gill. Osborne managed to get Gill back to his alma mater to become the Huskers' quarterback's coach.
7: Well, like I said, I'm going to start to say the blessing that Coach Osborne brought me back in 92, and he just said, hey, I'm going to help you, I'm going to still coach the quarterbacks, but I'm going to train you, and, and eventually at some point in time, I'm going to have you possibly take over some of those things. So we had Tommy Frazier in here, and Mike Grant was a senior quarterback starting in 1992, and and obviously we had to make some tough decisions there at some point in time in the season. I don't remember sometime, I think it was the Washington game, that we played out at Washington and was maybe struggling a little bit. And then I think we made a decision the next week or whatever to say, hey, we're going to play Tommy Frazier and start him and think he's the best guy that can help us. Get over the hump, and uh, again, he was. There were some things that you just couldn't teach uh, about his talent. He was mentally tough. He was physically tough, and he was God-gifted talent of speed, strength, and had a fiery competition, uh, competitiveness about him. And uh, so, those those gave him the age, And uh, I can remember, you know, can't remember all the specific details of Tom and I just talking about that situation of when to possibly go ahead and turn the reins over to Tommy Fraites. So. Uh, He taught me those things. I had to teach Tommy uh, being able to be himself, but you also got to play within the system. So again, he was a very, very talented man, but I think the biggest thing he had is he had a fiery competitive edge about him.
6: I watched his high school films and he was a great option quarterback. Uh, He was doing a lot of the things that we were doing here. And I remember just thinking, you know, this guy's not as talented as an option quarterbacks I'd ever seen. And, you know, he had excellent running ability, but he's also, his judgment, his timing on when he's going to keep the ball, when he's going to pitch it, was good. And he was certainly an adequate thrower. He wasn't a great, pure passer, but he was a good passer. Tommy decided to come here. And, of course, he started as a freshman. It was about four, four or five games in and that he became the starter.
1: And he's got him down in set. Two tight ends, full house backfield. Frazier looks at eight men up at the line of scrimmage by Mizzou. Runs an option play. He's on the keep so far. And he cuts back and gets into the end zone for the touchdown. Touchdown, Tommy Frazier. Frazier, the quarterback. Hands under center, Jimmy Scott. Runs an option left side. He's on the keep. And he's going to get in there for the score. Tommy Frazier, two touchdowns. Two touchdowns in the first quarter on three possessions. He directs the Nebraska offense as the first true freshman quarterback to start at Nebraska in modern history. Here is Frazier on a bootleg, run pass option. He's going to get in there. Touchdown! Touchdown, Tommy Frazier! Touchdown, Tommy! Tommy Frazier on fourth and goal from the five-yard line. Frazier with his coming out. In the
6: 1994 season, we lost him for most of the year because of that uh, leg injury, and uh, Brooke Behringer took over. But he had a tremendous career here, and we won uh, some some big games and some national championships with him. And But we had a, a, a good uh, complementary staff. We had great offensive lines and good running backs and, and some good receivers. And so... All works together.
1: Second and five coming up for the Cornhuskers Double tight swing right. That's Reggie Ball. Schuster and Clinton Childs in there. And an option to the right. Tommy on the keep. Turns the corner. 25 30. Al Lucha tackler 35. Tommy Frazier. 37, 38, 39, 40. 45, 50. 45, 40. 35, 30. He's going to get.
5: After Frazier, Osborne turned to one of Nebraska's native sons to be his next signal caller, a man who had famously spurned the Cornhuskers initially, Scott Frost. Frost had begun his career at Stanford, but the blonde haired phenom from Wood River found his way home eventually.
4: Coming out of high school, I got recruited by Bill Walsh, and I probably made a mistake that I see a lot of young kids make in recruiting that you think you need to go to one place or another to have a chance to play on Sunday, someday. Really, if you're a great college player, the NFL is going to come find you. If you don't have a great college career, you're not going to have a chance anyway. Nebraska fit me better. Nebraska fit me better culturally. It fit me better schematically. I felt at home here. Loved being around the team when I came back. and I don't regret making the decision to go out there to begin with, but I sure am glad I came back.
6: We tried to get him as much repetition. He's in all the quarterback meetings, so he was able to pick up what we're doing from a mental standpoint. And, uh, of course, Scott really fit our offense very well. I tried to tell him that, you know, when when I was recruiting him because he's a physical guy. You know, he was strong and uh, could take a hit. He had good speed, good running ability. And um, he was a good passer. I wouldn't say that he was, that was probably his long suit. He was probably a better runner than, than he was a passer, but he was, he was a decent passer. So anyway, it worked out, and um, it was a great ending for Scott, and uh, he contributed uh, tremendously to our program, and I'm glad we got him back twice.
5: Despite his brief stint as NU starting quarterback, Frost was instrumental in cementing Osborne's legacy, keeping the Huskers' 1997 national title hopes alive in improbable fashion. In November of 1997, Nebraska went on the road to face off with the Missouri Tigers. The Huskers came into Faroe Field 8-0 and ranked first in the nation. Mizzou, on the other hand, hadn't beaten the Big Red since 1978. However, with just over a minute to go in the fourth quarter, Nebraska trailed the Tigers 38-31. The Huskers took over in what would be their final drive of regulation on their own 33-yard line. And after marching 55 yards down the field, Nebraska had the ball on the 12-yard line with just seven seconds left. What came next became forever immortalized in college football history as the flea kicker.
4: I think he thought we could score on an option play because I think the defense was expecting a pass. So I left the sideline, and we were going to run slants from both sides, basically, to try to get a quick pass off and, and have enough time to run another play if it was incomplete. I looked left, and neither guy was open, looked back right, threw it to Shevin. Third down. Cross to the middle. Uh, he had a chance to catch it. The ball went up in the air. At that point, I didn't see what happened, because I looked up at the clock and watched it tick down, and, and it went four, three, two, one. And I was about to get really upset because I, I thought the, the clock manager had let it run out when the play was dead. And really, we should have had time for another play if you watched the game. I looked back down and saw the referee running in from the right with his hands up, signaling touchdown.
1: Diamond, touchdown, Nebraska! Davidson on the deflection!
8: Nebraska's a point away from tying the game!
4: My next thought was... Our team storming the field. Lance Brown tackles Matt Davis, and uh, half of their fans are on the field and climbing up the goalpost because they thought they won. But my next thought was i got to get our guys off the field so we don't get a penalty and have to kick a 40-yard field goal as an extra point to tie it. And once it went to overtime, I think it was about done.
5: Osborne may not have drawn it up, but that play saved Nebraska's season and gave the Big Red an opportunity to win a third national championship in four years, a nearly unprecedented run of dominance. The Huskers were also determined to send Osborne out on a high note. After the regular season ended, Dr. Tom announced that he was going to retire, making the 97 season his last. Osborne did go out on top, as Nebraska easily defeated Tennessee in the Orange Bowl, 42-17. It was a better sweet celebration for the Cornhuskers, who won a national title the same day they lost a legendary
4: coach. I found out when everybody else found out at the press conference. We knew something was up, something was different, so we all went to the press conference. It was unusual for us to go to a press conference, but we all had a feeling something was happening and there was rumors. And I remember a bunch of us standing in the back of that room and heard the message from him. Coach Osborne's character is unmatched, and... I'm sure making anything about him instead of about the team, he would have seen as unnecessary and a distraction. So we didn't have any clue it was gonna happen. It was a great career that ended on his timing and that's the way you always want it.
6: Well, it's it's a kind of a bittersweet moment. Uh, Very proud of the players. Have great appreciation for our coaching staff. Uh, Most of what's happened has been due to their efforts and the players. We have great fans I wanna thank them for being here. So it's a, it's a great night for Nebraska. Really, that's all it that counts. I mean, the, the ring's nice, the trophy's nice. I hope we get it. We deserve it. But if we don't, we did everything we could, and we want it. Okay. So uh, really proud of you. Thanks all for all you've done for me and the university, and for you guys coming back next year. Uh, keep it going. You know, that's the only thing I want to see is keep it going and uh, maintain this tradition. Great coaching staff. Appreciate them very much and uh, they've meant the world to me so we'll go on from here and thanks for all you've done okay guys
5: osborne may have retired over two decades ago but his legacy is still felt on the landscape of college football today
7: tom osborne was brilliant a brilliant mind phenomenal in strategy phenomenal in being able to dissect defenses and come up with a plan and it may look like it was the same play from a fan sitting in the stands, but there's a lot of more details going on with the offensive line, the tight end, the blocking. Different schemes, the backfield action might look the same, but the different schemes of being able to block things were very, very different, and so he was very unique in being able to do things at, uh, uh, at that time. So I think the thing that he did with the players was he really taught them the details. He had a way to be able to communicate that to you at your level you know, all those kind of things. uh, uh, He was very, very good at being able to do that. Back then, Tom, he really did RPOs. I mean, you can go back and look at that tape, and you can remember a a run play. Based off of looking off a linebacker or safety, uh, we did that. So if a safety ran out, what what do we call it? The arc option. When I say arc option, you had a double option where you had the fullback with arc out, and he would block the safety, and I would pitch off the defensive end. If the safety would come down, fast right but pre-snap or post-snap then I would throw a slant pattern behind him and that's what you see today there's people throwing the little slant to a tight end or inside slot guy off the linebacker and we did it off the safeties we did it off the linebacker we did it a little bit more off the uh, the safeties in our day so there was RPOs we didn't use this term run pass option but that's what we called it I mean it was a run and you had a pass option I mean we used those turns but it wasn't out in the public
8: you know, that's, that's when I say the offense was, was so much ahead of its time and so sophisticated that we're doing RPOs, you know? When yeah. I mean, you say that language, it, you're, you're exactly right. And that's what we were doing. So it was pretty complicated, but it was also very, very demanding on the quarterback. And, uh, you know, we couldn't run out of bounds. I mean, we got graded down if we were to run out of bounds, you know? And, and once you get that, it took me at least three or four years professionally to realize I can run out of bounds, you know? But uh, yeah, it was, it was very demanding and uh, very physical and um, although you were a quarterback, they wanted you to run a football and you had to have that mindset. It's no
5: coincidence that the current Husker squad led by former Osborne protege Scott Frost is using the same offensive foundation that Osborne first laid out. Snap back, Adrian keeps himself off the left side, there he goes, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, five, touchdown Nebraska! Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around oh. the left side. He's got a first down,
3: 35-30. Wandale 25-20, 15-10-5. 20, he is in. Touchdown, Nebraska.
4: Coach Osborne is my hero in this, in this sport, uh, in this business. When people ask me about him, I always tell people that he, he was a Hall of Fame coach. But aside from that, he's, he's probably the best man that I know. Because of who he was and how he ran our program, every single one of us would have run through a wall for him. Um, and we keep in touch with him to this day. Having that resource to be able to draw wisdom from is really invaluable to me. And uh, I look forward to to bouncing ideas off him and, and getting advice from him wherever I can. But listen, Coach Osborne had the formula in Nebraska figured out. Uh, some of the things that he did to make the program arguably the best in the country can still work today.
6: I think that uh, same thing is true scott frost today you know he coached Mar- marcus mariota and uh, and of course uh, with aiden and martinez uh, a lot of quarterbacks like this style because they're they're certainly able to throw the ball well and there's some running opportunity as well and so uh, i think scott is looking for the dual threat quarterback and of course scott himself was a dual threat guy you know he was a good runner and a good passer and smart and pretty physical guy he was 220 pounds and uh, with good speed and so he was a whole package and of course I I haven't mentioned Eric Crouch but he was a great player too and so we had a number of them but these were mostly people who had uh, had the ability to run the ball as well as throw it but I think he's still interested in a dual threat quarterback I think he uh, he wants to have a guy that can run the ball and uh, he's not going to maybe run it as much as we did at one time but I think he sees the value of that, of having a quarterback that can beat you with his feet as well as with his arm. His passing game is probably a little bit more sophisticated because uh, they use more wide receivers. You know, we, we, we would sometimes get in a spread set and sometimes use a trip set with three or four wide receivers. But uh, we weren't there all the time, whereas now they're most of the time with at least three wide receivers and a tight end. Sometimes that tight end is almost a wide receiver too. So they, they're running a, a very uh, a very good offense and they move the ball quickly. And um, we were probably a little bit more established in a base run game with a fullback and a tight end. But they're, uh, they, they have a great offensive concept and um, sometimes they score really quickly and that puts the defense back on the field quickly. But I guess you don't ever want to turn those points down. If you can score quickly, that's a good thing. So he's uh, he's doing great. He's pushing the right buttons and uh, can't say enough good things about what he's doing.
7: He definitely had an answer to whatever you were going to do. Obviously, then you have some talented people too. But if I had to say the one thing it was really the scheme that Tom Osmond was able to put together, no matter what kind of look you gave on the defense, it was going to be very, very difficult for you to defend being able to have the, really the, the multiple uh, athletes uh, as a quarterback position. Uh, I think Coach Osborne did that there in the 80s and in the 90s. I think that's the reason why he he really innovated, I thought, the game in myself and other people of being able to be able to do both, run the football, throw the football. And, again, he just has so much brilliance as far as the scheme and the play calling of things of that nature. I'm just glad that I got a chance to be a part of it. More importantly, uh, he's still a friend of mine, and uh, we're uh, confidant and, and really continue to bounce things off each other, not just about uh, uh, football, but about life. He needs to be having a lot of credit. Obviously, he's gotten a whole lot of awards and all the different things of that nature, and uh, he definitely made an outstanding impact, tremendous impact on college football. And we all know, no question, uh, a phenomenal uh, impact here on, on Nebraska football and really the whole state of Nebraska in, in so many, many ways. So I, I'm blessed and fortunate and, and a lot of uh, gratitude to uh, Coach Osborne and really his whole entire family.
4: I really appreciate Coach Osborne for who he is. He's, he's probably the best man I know. You know, he, he let us make our mistakes and learn from them. He was an example for us to look up to as a person and as a coach. And I think I, after you're around him for a while, you realize that that example he's setting is, is what you should aspire to. But He never shoved anything down our throats. He he just showed us the right way to do things, and eventually we all figured out to follow along.
0: The proceeding has been a Husker Sports Network original. Osborne and the Option was narrated by Greg Sharp. Executive produced by Nate Rohr, Josh Hulkeman, Tim Curran, and Austin Orman. Sound design by Brett Whitty, And special thanks to Paul Jake Jacobson. Subscribe to Husker Sports Network Podcast for more great Husker Sports original episodes presented by JTEC Construction.